0: This is Pure Opelka with
1: Michael Pelka.
0: Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Second hour of Puro We're into it. We're knee deep. We discussed some of the uh, early stuff this morning with uh, Pete Gasparowicz. It's morning in parts of the country. It's afternoon here on the East Coast. It's just after one o'clock. I have to take... Um, I have to take CNN to task. They're, they're running the Any Moment Now graphic again. Any Moment Now graphic about the White House press conference. And, and that's been up since noon. It's been up for over an hour. Um, the, the White House press conference is happening after 2 o'clock. So let's not, let's not jerk anybody's chain here, CNN, please. You know, come on. What are we doing? It, it's a little ridiculous, but there again, there it is. So uh, uh, an hour from right now, our friend uh, Wendy Patrick, Dr. Wendy Patrick, is going to uh, talk about the White House shakeup. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about uh, Jared Kushner. And um, Wendy's got a, a new article out in, in uh, psychology today that we should discuss as well. Something that's near and dear to her heart, if you know her book, Um, the one about how to get rid of the frenemies in your life, red flags. And that's, uh, that's a big, a big deal. So we'll talk about that. Uh, I've got a couple of interesting pieces that are out there today, including the latest from, um, from Chelsea Clinton, who, if you, if you heard the news, if you listened to the news at the top of the hour, you may have heard Chelsea Clinton talking about, uh, whether or not she's going to run for office. I, I just think... I just think that the media wants Chelsea Clinton to run for office. I don't think Chelsea Clinton wants to run for office, or it sure doesn't feel that way. Uh, and yet, she seems to be uh, getting kind of shoved into it, if you know what I'm saying. It seems as if they're they're really trying to push her into that. Uh, the, there's also some i, I got to get after Joy Behar on The View— the ladies on the view need to accept the election results. The ladies on the view need to say, okay, we we give you credit for this. But but they can't. They apparently can't give it up. And I, I would love I would love to play it for you, but I just had a small computer meltdown. I was vamping here for a minute. So I'm gonna hold off and uh, shift gears and go into I'm going to go old school and go analog on you. I want to talk about Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel and the story that uh, all these people over the weekend went nuts over, specifically the last couple of days, saying that Angela Merkel, Angela Merkel is telling everybody, well, well, we can't trust America because of Donald Trump. That's the way they were spinning it on CNN over the weekend. That's the way they were, of course, spinning it on MSNBC over the weekend. But what did Angela Merkel really say in her campaign speech? Now, remember, Angela Merkel is running for office. She's campaigning to get elected again. And she's at a beer garden and she's talking to her, her constituents And this is just like a regular campaign speech when people talk about Donald Trump's campaign rhetoric. This was Angela Merkel talking to an audience at a beer garden, talking about pushing her agenda to get herself elected. And what is her message? Her message is Germans need to be strong. We we are a strong economy. We need to be strong. But listen to the translation
0: the times when we could completely count on others they are over to a certain extent i've experienced this in the last few days and that is why i can only say that we europeans must really take our fate into our own hands
1: interesting right listen to that again listen to the translation i know you're all busily trying to find the german words that match the english words looking for the cognates but uh Listen to the translation and specifically the words, because all we kept hearing this weekend from the liberal commentators and and the people whose hair has been on fire over Trump since he was elected. All we've been hearing is that uh, Angela Merkel is since Trump left, Angela Merkel's talking about the fact that we can't trust America anymore.
0: The times when we could completely count on others, they are over to a
1: certain extent. The times when we could completely count on others, they are over to a certain extent. All right, continue.
0: I've experienced this in the last few days.
1: So what happened in the last few days? Oh, the G7 meeting, the meeting with Donald Trump at Brussels as well at the dedication I've experienced this within the last few days, the times when we could completely count on others, that's gone now. I've experienced this.
0: And that is why I can only say that we Europeans must really take our fate into our own hands.
1: We Europeans must really take our fate into our own hands. Isn't this amazing? Isn't this just amazing if, if this were a child? An 18-year-old, perhaps, saying, you know, I've just realized something now that I am of my majority that I am supposed to take my fate into my own hands. I'm supposed to be responsible for myself. Do you think people would be running around saying, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, did you hear that kid? He's saying he can't trust his parents anymore. He can't rely on his parents. He's got to have to do everything for himself. Well, Europe, guess what? It really is about time that you do some things for yourself. It really is about time you either pay for the the defense that we provide or we work out some kind of a deal. But what's wrong with this? And this is the example I use when I talk about the left and the left-leaning media, twisting whatever's being said to their own agenda. Here you have someone who's basically saying, "You know, we should be we should be the strongest entity. We're strong enough now to do it ourselves." And she could have played. Sisters are doing it for themselves and walked out on stage to give that message, and it would have been fine. I just don't understand why the media, the American media, the left-leaning American media wants to pin everything on Trump and twist every word against Donald Trump. Especially after the trip the president had, and especially after the day he had yesterday. The president coming back from his, his I think, very successful trip overseas. I think it was a, a great trip. Was there any, anything you could point to that would be a negative? Maybe the uncomfortable sword dance, but then all of these overseas trips usually result in some bad dance with uh, local customs or local costumes. Was it Melania allegedly slapping the president's hand away because she didn't want a little public display of affection? Was that it? because I can't think of anything else. Oh, 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 the the pushing aside of the Macedonian leader to get to the front for the class picture. Yeah, that was Trump alpha mailing and maybe not the, the best, the best move. But, you know, the mainstream media can't accept this guy had a good trip. And they certainly didn't know what to say yesterday after he, he attended the the wreath-length ceremony at Arlington National Cemetery. I want you to listen to Donald Trump being really, in my very presidential
2: yesterday. Vice President Pence, cabinet secretaries, members of Congress, members of the armed forces and veterans, thank you for joining us as we honor the brave warriors who gave their lives for ours spending their last moments on this earth in defense of this country and of its people words cannot measure the depth of their devotion the purity of their love or the totality of their courage we only hope that every day we can prove worthy not only of their sacrifice and service of the sacrifice made by the families and loved ones they left behind i
1: thought that that little 50 seconds of donald trump tagged just about every presidential base you could want to tag and then he
2: finished it i believe that god has a special place in heaven for those who lay down their lives so that others may live free from fear and this horrible oppression. Now, let us pledge to make the most of that freedom that they so gallantly and brilliantly fought for, and they died to protect. Let us also pledge to tell the stories of Robert, Chris, Andrew, and all of America's fallen warriors today, and for the next 1,000 years.
1: Yeah, absolutely, for the next 1,000 years. That moment, those two snippets of Donald Trump yesterday at Arlington National Cemetery, were the punctuation on the trip. And all the media could do was obsess about the fact that Angela Merkel has decided that Europe needs to stand up on its own two feet and be responsible for itself. And they wanted to call that some sort of betrayal. It's so twisted. It's so, it's such a load of Bravo Sierra. It's such an exposure of what the mainstream media has become. And it's a never Trump machine, basically. The mainstream media has now co-opted the never Trump movement. And they are trying to do whatever they can. To the point where you even have... As I mentioned earlier, you even have the Joy Behar's of the world who just cannot admit that Donald Trump won the election. Behar, listening to uh, Jedidiah Bila talk about Trump winning the election, has to interject she cannot admit that he won the election.
0: But leaders of other countries weren't elected by Americans.
2: And he won here. Let's face
0: it. You don't have to agree. He didn't win. He won here. he just won the Electoral College. Three million people did not he won. vote
2: won. He won. That's called
0: winning the election. He did not win.
1: She keeps saying it. No matter what you will say to Joy Behar, he did not win. He did not win. Three and a half million people. He did not win. He won the Electoral College. That's all he won. Would somebody please explain to Joy Behar how the nation works? Would somebody please get it? Can you please, please, Joy Behar? No. So this is another example. This is the mainstream media taking on the mantle of the Never Trump movement. And they're going to keep it and keep it alive until they either get Hillary in 2020 or Chelsea, maybe in 2024. Who knows? Yeah, there's another clip of Chelsea being asked again because she's she's once again out on the press stump. I'll play it for you. and uh, We'll get to it after a break. This is Mike Opelka on Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house?
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know, I did something over the weekend that I have not done in a long time, and that was I played golf back-to-back. I played a lot of golf this past weekend. And I, I have to tell you, there's only, there's only two words that can explain why I was able to play golf back-to-back back this weekend. And those two words are relief factor, all-natural anti-inflammatory relief factor. It's uh, it's changed my life. It's gotten me back in the game, as they say. And I don't know why you haven't called 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384, or visited relieffactor.com to find out about the the three-week quick start pack, it's 1995. Jay and Linda decided to try it out. Jay and Linda, and they stopped by the Blaze offices to talk about it.
2: I've got constant pain in both knees and uh, in my left hip. It's just been miserable pain, and I would just endure it until I was almost in tears and crawling along the backside of the couch for support. So I ordered it, and
1: Linda came home and I said, I got this for us. In about two weeks, 10 days to two weeks for both of
2: us, we noticed the difference. All of a sudden I had to start thinking, when was the last time I really felt that sciatica pull? When was the last time I was very uncomfortable by the end of the day? It has made a difference just the way I get up out of bed
1: and getting out of a chair. Relief factor. Don't wait. Don't be in pain any longer than you need to be. Try the Quick Start Pack, three-week Quick Start Pack, nineteen ninety-five. Give them a call, eight hundred five 84. eight hundred five hundred eighty-three eighty-four. I'm telling you, worked for me. Uh, so much going on today. Of course, we're going to monitor whatever happens in the press briefing. Of course, we're tracking down. Is there going to be a change? Is there going to be a shakeup in the White House? Will there be some new faces? There have been some rumors ever since the president left the country. The wheels of Air Force One were barely off the runway. When you heard people saying, oh, there's going to be a shakeup. There's going to be a shakeup. here. hear uh, Corey Lewandowski's back here. Paul Manafort. Uh, Katrina Pierce. You know, stop it. And then we went through it all. And now now we hear that the, the president has... Uh, Started a rapid response team that he's brought back in to help him deal with some of the the um, the never Trump media attacks on his administration. The president also posed a question today. I think I have it here. The president was talking about uh, getting rid of the filibuster, and that's an that's an interesting point. A very interesting point that. Uh, that the president's bringing up. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. And I, I would love to have a discussion with you guys about that. I'd love to have a discussion with you all about whether or not you think it's a good idea. I remember sitting in, in a meeting of the progressive media at the Senate building. This meeting was chaired by Harry Reid, and Chuck Schumer in 2009, and they were discussing getting rid of the filibuster. And there was, uh, there was considerable pushback from the media saying, uh, you realize that eventually you'll be out of power. And they said, no, we don't think we'll ever be out of power. Ha, ha, ha. A few years later, this is when they had a 60-vote uh, majority in the Senate and they were going to blow out the filibuster on everything. They ended up doing it for uh, judicial appointments. And, and that created a small problem. But now, now the president wants to change all of it. The president just wants 51 votes. And he wants to push forward on, um, push forward on tax reform and on health care reform. And, and that's what he's hoping for. And I wonder where you guys stand on that. Because I, I, I don't know about you, but I tend to think that the filibuster, the filibuster's is a good thing. I think the filibuster protects us from being different from just a pure democracy. That filibuster protects the minority votes in the House and Senate. That filibuster in the Senate specifically protects those in the minority. And yet, just three hours ago, the president tweeted from his personal account, the U.S. Senate should switch to 51 votes immediately and get health care and tax cuts approved fast and easy. Dems would do it, no doubt. Let's ask that vital question. Where do you stand? Where do you stand on Donald Trump's idea to push the Senate to just 51 votes, eliminate the filibuster? Yes, no, good, bad. Join the conversation. I'll be here when we get back after the
2: break.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. The show's moving quick today. I can't believe we're already half over. I uh, have, have a couple of interesting things coming up just around the corner. Dr. Wendy Patrick joins us. I want to talk about a potential White House shakeup with Wendy. And uh, I, I want to talk about her article because she is somebody who, has a take on the, the whole online dating thing. She's got a new story, an article in uh, Psychology Today. And uh, so we'll get to her on that. But I just posted a vital question of the day, and I really would like this audience to weigh in on it. And I know you guys are out there because you're already engaged on Twitter. I'm getting I'm getting poked from all angles here today. Uh, cons Militia's out there. Cindy Mann's out there. Uh, I see you. I see you people, some of the smart ones online today. Hey, Stacey Rippey's out there, too, um, wondering where you stand on this. The president called earlier today for an elimination of the filibuster in the Senate, which he said would push through tax cuts and health care reform really quickly and easily. And I'm against it. My my position on this is uh no, that that's my firm position on it. I believe that it's a bad idea, that it will it will create a real problem. Uh if you think we have division now, you're gonna have massive division if you you have no protection of the minority in the Senate. And I think it's really important, really important. And so I, I posted the I posted the vital question of the day. It's on Twitter, on my uh, Twitter account. And CPAC 2018 just retweeted it. Hello, CPAC buddies. Matt Schlapp and the crew over at CPAC. Uh, They want to know as well. And so I'll bet you this one gets some pretty good traction today. Uh, Currently, boy, this is interesting. Uh, In very early voting, and again, less than 1% of you have weighed in. Uh, 25% say eliminate it, 25% say, oh, I don't know, and 50% say keep it. I do believe that if if you end up in a situation where your party is not in the majority, you are then basically faced with, uh, what are we doing, mob rule. 51% can turn things around. So it, to me, the, the filibuster serves a very important purpose. But I do want to know where you stand on it. What do you think? What do you, you, the, the educated voter, think? And, you know, can you imagine what would have happened under Obama if the Senate had actually gone and eliminated and made a rules change getting rid of all all of the rights to filibuster, what What would this country have looked like now? What kind of laws would they have been able to shove through if there was no ability to threaten to filibuster? Can you imagine? I, I, I shudder to think. Uh, they would have said, remember, too, this would have all been for the good of the children. This would have all been for the good of... Of uh, the way they would have changed immigration or refugee status or anything. For all we know, they could have uh, allowed Obama to run for a, a third term. It don't don't laugh. It would have happened. Maybe not. Maybe I exaggerate to clarify. Some of you have already said. Uh, let's see here. Letter fluid wrote. I don't think it should be eliminated, but I think. You should actually be required to stand on the floor and filibuster. Yes, I agree with you, Letter Fluid. I I agree with you that uh, somebody should be required to actually stand there. If you're going to say we're going to filibuster, you should have to do it. It should be painful. Jeremy's checking in from North Carolina. Happy Tuesday that feels like a Monday, Jeremy. How are you, sir? I'm good, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Uh, you know, I'm kind of energized, came back from the, the long weekend, energized, had a good experience out at the uh, the Delaware Veterans Cemetery. And and I feel like uh, we've got some traction under our feet after the uh, the president's trip. And then I get nervous when he says stuff like this, eliminate the filibuster, because I understand the protections of it. But where do you stand? Um, I'm I actually stand with the filibuster. Um,
0: however, I think if we're going to stand on the filibuster, I would like to see a bill passed that states that the filibuster cannot be removed through rule changes. Um, and I don't think the filibuster should be used for appointments because I don't think it was ever intended to be used for appointments. And if the Democrats won't vote for a bill that basically makes the filibuster permanent, and non-removable, then I say all bets are off because, as Trump said, um, the Democrats would do it in a heartbeat. So if we're going to hold ourselves to uh, maintaining the filibuster, then we need to guarantee that they are required to maintain the filibuster.
1: Well, you bring up a really good point, especially the point that says you shouldn't be able to change the filibuster the the way it's set up merely by changing the rules, because who's ever in control of Congress has the right at the start of that new Congress to change the rules. So they can change the rules in the House. They can change the rules in the Senate at the start of a new Congress. And what you're saying is you can't do it just on a rule change. We got to make it a little bit tougher than that. And I, I actually agree with you on that. I think that's a good way to do it. Because then the minute the balance of power is shifted, you would automatically think, well, they're still mad about the rule change thing. So we're going to go back in and uh, change it again. So, yeah, that's kind of a protection. I, I view the, the filibuster as something that's kind of sacred in, in our our government anyway.
0: Uh, it absolutely is. Um Taking away the filibuster would be the same as taking away the Republic and Democratic Republic. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think there definitely needs to be protections put in place to prevent them from rolling them back willy nilly whenever they want to pass something that they want to pass.
1: Yeah, well, that's you. You, you bring up the, again the at the at the core of all of this is the protection of the unique situation we have. Where we are not a pure democracy, we are a republic. We are a representational republic which has unique protections built in for those who are in the minority par- party, and it prevents mob justice. Thank you so much for getting up, uh, getting up off the couch and joining the conversation early in the week. Appreciate you. And have uh, Where are you on Twitter? Are we following you anywhere on Twitter? Um, it's control, K-A-H-N-T-R-O-L, um, on
0: Twitter. Um, yeah, I've, I've been around since the early days of Buck on
1: Saturdays and you on the, uh, Freedom Hut line and so, so I've been around a while. Oh, good. Good. So, uh, yeah, it's good. To, I see you now. I'm going to give you a follow. So thanks for joining in and appreciate you and, uh, have a great day, Jeremy. Thanks. Thanks to you for being out there. Wow. That's uh he's got. Quite an interesting little Twitter page. I have to keep an eye on Jeremy. That's good stuff on his Twitter page. I'm surprised I didn't see this earlier. Uh, Happy to follow as many of you as I can. I try to keep up with all of you. Uh, Again, uh, seeing a lot of people jumping in on the conversation, on the, the, the vital question of the day, where do you stand on elimination of the filibuster about just changing everything that goes on in the Senate to a simple 51-vote majority could be could be game-changing, could be game-changing. Uh, I'm going to step aside here for a break. When we get back, I want to talk about um, some more about this Kushner thing and about the, the back-channel story. Uh, one of my old friends, another former Blaze colleague, was on Fox News talking about it. She brought up a really interesting point about – the fil- about uh, the, um, the back-channel situation with Jared Kushner, and it's a point that shows the bias, the built-in bias of the Washington Post. It's, it's naked bias, and we will expose that naked bias next on Pure Opelka.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. your Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Doc Thompson paging Doc Thompson. Doc Thompson, just like you to know, tomorrow I'll be wearing green underwear. Doc Thompson, tomorrow I'll be wearing green underwear. It's a little bit of an inside joke. If you didn't get it, think about it. In the words of Jeff Fisher, think about it. I have some weird news coming up later today. Next hour, I have to do some weird news. There's some really weird news. You won't believe what the latest elective surgery in the Hamptons is for this summer. You know, the Hamptons, that place where the, the well-heeled go to spend their summers. They're in the Hamptons with, with uh, Martha Stewart and all the people who chop her in and out. Yeah, there's there's an elective surgery trend in the Hamptons that's a little disturbing. It's about, among men. I'll get to the story on the women, but there's it's a little little disturbing. Then just around the corner of the top of the next hour we're going to talk to our friend Wendy Patrick. Yes, she's the prosecutor, attorney, political expert. She has a new story on psychology today about online dating. We're going to talk about the White House shakeup as well, uh, and I want to talk about another another young lady, a former colleague from the Blaze, Amy Holmes, who is real Amy Holmes on Twitter at real Amy Holmes on Twitter. I think Amy's going to be joining us later this week. She wanted to uh, chat up some of the topics of the day. And uh, she's a good, strong, conservative woman, somebody I appreciate. As I said, we used to work side by side at The Blaze for, gosh, about five years. I'm in my seventh year, and she was there almost from the very beginning. But Amy was on Fox and Friends talking about the situation with uh, the charges of a back channel and uh, Jared Kushner. And we talked a little bit with Pete Kasparowitz about it, how John Sununu said that back channels existed all the time, that back channels aren't a bad thing, that back channels are how business gets done. Well, Amy Holmes put it into a, a pretty solid perspective when she gave us the timeline and uh, how back channels were considered to be something positive under a previous administration.
2: This is a part of diplomacy, as General H.R. McMaster, our national security advisor, said, that he was unconcerned about this Jared Kushner, you know, back-channel story. And I want to point out that when Obama did it with the Iran deal, we're talking about, you know, major policy implications here, it was treated as if it was uh, fascinating and clever. Mm. When Republicans do it, and particularly Mr. Trump, then it's nefarious and sinister. And, in fact, David Ignatius at The Washington Post uh, wrote a column about the Obama back-channel And he said that this was an example about how breakthroughs come through strange and invisible pathways. But none of all the the hype and hysteria that we're seeing with Jared Kushner.
1: So strange and invisible pathways create breakthroughs under a Democratic administration. But strange and invisible pathways suddenly become nefarious and possible collusion and maybe illegal and a host of other things that come out of it. It's just such nakedly obvious hypocrisy. And and it's just mad, isn't it? It's just mad. So we'll see. And I think the interesting thing here is Jared Kushner staying calm in all of this. The White House isn't responding. The White House is letting it ride. The White House is just saying, OK, keep going forward. Keep moving, people. Keep going. So I don't think there's going to be a big stink about this. I think the Kushner thing will create uh, more chances for Maxine Waters to get out in front of the world and uh, say the words connect the dots and say the words where there's smoke, there's fire, and to say the word impeachment a couple dozen more times. That seems to be what keeps Maxine going. So uh, I, I don't anticipate anything coming out of the Kushner deal other than, well, Obama did it, well, Nixon did it, well, every damn president has done it and had people create back-channel communications. This is how, especially in the transition time, when you're getting ready to take on a role, you're allowed to say, if you need me, here's my cell phone number. And now we're actually hearing that The request may not have come from Kushner, as was first reported, but may have come from the Russians. So it may have been the Russians saying, hey, we'd like to set up a back channel communication, not Kushner saying, hey, can we have a double secret back channel? No, you can't. And you need to calm down. All right. Coming up in the third hour, as I said, we're going to talk to Dr. Wendy. We're going to talk about the weirdest trend In uh, elective surgery for men this summer in the Hamptons. And did you see the Indy 500? Yeah. There was a consequence to that, too. We should talk about that. And I've got a whole host of weird news. Plus, a bunch of people checked out over the weekend. You had the only guy ever elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame and the United States Senate passed away this weekend. The only guy ever to be elected to both of those prestigious organizations. Who was it? I'll explain after the break. Come on back.
0: Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.